tonight. Hope to talk on the dependent origination, Katicha Samupada. Uh, this is uh, quite uh, one of the deep topics uh, in the Buddha's teachings. And uh, this uh, dependent origination uh, is quite an important topic. It is stated in the suttas uh, that there are a few important topics in the Buddha's teachings, uh, which if you understand, you can attain uh, the various uh, stages of path and fruit, pariyahut. Uh, so dependent origination is one. Another one is the five aggregates of attachment, anchu, padana, kanda. Another one is the six sense basis, salayatana. Another one is the four elements, four great elements, the four dattus. So these are among the very important topics. So uh, this dependent origination uh, refers to the dependent arising uh, of all things in the world. Uh, everything in the world uh, did not suddenly come about by itself. Uh, like uh, many people think uh, that was there's a creator that suddenly created everything in the world. But in the Buddha's teachings, uh, everything in the world uh, arose through conditions. Every, absolutely everything in the world arose through conditions. And they cease through conditions. And everything uh, is in the flux, uh, changing all the time. Uh. And even like this earth, uh, the Buddha talked about world systems uh, expanding and contracting. Uh. And the Buddha said uh, that one world system uh, consists of one sun. Uh, so in other words, uh, when we look into the sky at night, uh, we see the stars. Uh, there are countless stars. Uh, and they are a very long distance away. Some of them, even when we, we although we can see them, they are no more there. They have ceased to exist. What is reaching us now is the light from that star so far away because it has to travel such a long distance. So every world system consists of a sun. In other words, uh, every star that we see out there uh, may have human beings. And the Buddha talked about world systems expanding and contracting, refers to the galaxy. Every galaxy uh, is a world system. The Buddha talked about the small world system, and then the middling world system, and the great, great uh, world system. Uh, great, you know, a thousand-fold, small thousand-fold world system, then the middling thousand, thousand-fold world system, and then the great thousand, thousand, thousand-fold world system. Uh, so, the, so the small world system uh, uh, consists of, uh, the Buddha says, uh, 1,000 world system, that means 1,000 stars. Uh, but that is only a very proximate figure uh, because in the Indian language uh, they talk about 500, they talk about 1,000, they talk about 84,000. Uh, these are only approximate. Uh, so, so when the Buddha talk about world systems expanding and contracting, uh, 
now the scientists see uh, that the galaxy and uh, the stars are moving away from each other. Uh, that is the expanding world system. It will keep expanding, the Buddha says, up to a certain limit. And then it will stop. And then it will contract. Uh, and then it will contract, contract, contract. Uh, takes a very long time. Uh, and then it keeps contracting uh, until the stars come near each other. So now we have one sun in our solar system. After an extremely long time, the second sun will appear close to us. And that happens, all living creatures will die, including human beings. The plants will die. And it keeps shrinking. After a long time, a third sun will come near us. And then the rivers will start to dry up. The streams. And then the fourth sun will come. To near us, and then the lakes will start to dry up. The ocean gets shallower and shallower. So in this way, slowly, eventually, when seven, the seventh star comes near us, this, the whole world will burn. The earth will burn. And all these stars will coalesce together, will come together. So when it comes together, it will burn. Burn and the Buddha says, this fire is such a great fire that it will burn right up to the Brahma heavens. And the second jhana heaven is much further away, so it doesn't reach the second jhana heaven. So, so then that 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 all these stars will come together and form one huge mass. I think this is what nowadays scientists call the black hole. You heard about the black hole. It's a huge mass of stars. But it's called the black hole because you can see it's light. Because it's such a huge mass that its magnetic pull is extremely great. Any comet, any asteroid goes near it and gets sucked into it. And it is burning, it is full of heat, full of fire. But because it is such a huge mass, with such a huge magnetic pull, even its light rays, called photons, light particles, try to go out. They go out and they get pulled back. They go out and they get pulled back. So that is why the light rays, you cannot see the light from this huge mass. So they call it a black hole. Then after an extremely long time, what happens? This thing will explode. Uh, this is what I think the scientists now call the Big Bang, isn't it? Uh, it explodes and then slowly all the stars will form and slowly it will evolve and the world, the, the earth uh, will reappear. Every world system will reappear. Uh, so this has been going on uh, continuously uh, from the beginning of eternity until the end of eternity. It is a very natural process. It's not like some superhuman, super being up there suddenly created the world. So everything in the world, the Buddha says, is just like that. Due to conditions, slowly things appear. But because the greatest characteristic of the whole universe is one thing, anicca. Impermanence. That is the greatest characteristic of the world. Impermanence. Everything in the world is impermanent. Uh, so, that we have to remember. 
So anatta, sometimes people don't understand the word anatta. We say emptiness sunyata, kong. Uh, our Chinese interpretation of kong sometimes is uh, a bit out. We think uh, means uh, basically there's nothing. It's not that there's nothing. Uh, the meaning of anatta, the meaning of kong uh, is that there's no permanent entity uh, that exists by itself that does not change. Everything is changing all the time due to causes and conditions of yin yen. So everything is changing, appearing and passing away, appearing and passing away. And there is nothing absolutely uh, in the whole universe uh, that stays put. Uh. If anything uh, can stay the way it is, uh, that is called atta, self, uh, in the Buddha's teachings. So the Buddha says uh, that uh, because of this, uh, this world uh, is devoid of a core, an uh, essence uh, that does not change. Uh, so that is anatta. Unfortunately, uh, because Buddhism uh, now is being translated, the Buddha's teachings being translated into different languages, uh, sometimes the translation is out, way out. For example, last time they didn't translate jhana as trance. So it gives people the wrong impression. You think, oh, what's the use of jhana? When you abide in the state of jhana, uh, meditative absorption, uh, you are like in a trance state. You don't know anything that's happening around you. That's the absolute opposite of what jhana means. Jhana is a state of, of clear awareness. Absolutely uh, pure awareness. That's why uh, in the description of the fourth jhana, the Buddha says uh, that the state of the fourth jhana is complete purity of sati. Complete purity of sati. So it's because of misconceptions like this uh, due to wrong translation uh, that people have different wrong ideas uh, about things like jhana. So the same with anatta. Sometimes they translate it as no soul. It's not what the Buddha meant. You say there's no soul. Uh, you come up with this concept uh, like in Abhidhamma, that when a being dies uh, and is reborn somewhere else, uh, nothing goes from here to there. That is the Abhidhamma concept. The Abhidhamma concept is uh, consciousness ceases here and it starts somewhere else. Nothing travels from here to there. But in the Buddha's teachings, there is a soul there is a soul that travels uh, from uh, the deathbed of this being uh, to this new being. That's why the Buddha says, uh, if a person's karma is such uh, that he has to be reborn in the womb, uh, he has to wait for certain conditions. Uh, and what are the conditions? Mother and father must come together. And then uh, the mother must be in the right season. Uh, fertile, and then the egg is fertilized, and then this, uh, what is called in the suttas, Gandhaba, sometimes they call it like uh, intermediate uh, being, uh, enters, lodges itself in the fertilized egg, uh, and becomes a being there. Uh, so, the concept of this soul, uh, in Chinese, we call it uh, Ling Hun, yeah? Ling, how do you call it in Mandarin? Ling, 
Lĩnh Phật, Lĩnh 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 Quân à, So there is such a thing that something travels into the womb. This is very clear from the suttas. La. But it is just a bundle of energy yeah, that is changing all the time. La. Uh, not, for example, like the Christian concept uh, that a soul means a uh, uh, being uh, that is eternal being. Uh, that, uh, there is a, a, a self there uh, for us. Uh, it is just a bundle of energy uh, containing your, your characteristics, uh, your DNA, your memory and all these things. Uh, so, uh, the Buddha's teaching on dependent origination uh, is this, uh, that everything uh, is born uh, due to conditions and it dies or ceases uh, due to the seizing of these conditions. Uh, um. So there is a general law of dependent origination uh, which the, the Buddha formulated like this. Uh, this being that comes to be, with the arising of this, that arises. This not being, that comes not to be. With the seizing of this, that ceases. Uh, in other words, uh, certain things come into existence uh, due to certain conditions and it ceases uh, due to certain conditions. Uh, so, uh, the importance of the understanding dependent origination uh, can be seen um, in certain suttas. Uh, for example, in Majjhima Nikaya Sutta 28, Sariputta, this Arahan Sariputta quoted the Buddha and he said, He who sees dependent origination sees the Dhamma. He who sees the Dhamma sees dependent origination. So, if we understand the Dhamma, we understand dependent origination. Uh, and if we understand dependent origination, we understand the Dhamma. Mm. Another Sutta, Sangyutta Nikaya 12.27, the Buddha said, Now, in as much monks as the Aryan disciple knows dependent origination, knows the arising of dependent origination, knows the seizing of dependent origination, knows the way going to the seizing of dependent origination. He is what we call the Aryan disciple who has won the view, who has won insight, who has arrived at this good Dhamma, who sees this good Dhamma, who possesses the knowledge of the trained man, who possesses the wisdom of the trained man who has entered the stream of the Dhamma, who has the Aryan insight of revulsion, who stands knocking at the door of the deathless. Uh, so here the Buddha says, uh, if you understand dependent origination, uh, you have entered the stream of the Dhamma. In other words, you have attained stream entry. Uh, that's why it is important to understand uh, dependent origination. Now, in the Sangyutta Nikaya 12.10, the Buddha said that when he was still a Bodhisatta before enlightenment, he contemplated the cause of suffering and he understood dependent origination to a certain extent. For example, the Buddha contemplated 
uh, why is there suffering in the world? So from contemplating this, uh, he understood uh, there is suffering in this, in this world uh, because all beings uh, must age. And when we age, we become sick. And after some time, we must die. Uh, all beings uh, must go through this process. There is not a single being uh, you can find uh, that does not die. Uh, because in the Buddha's teachings, uh, all beings uh, must have a body. Uh, there is no being uh, without a body in the Buddha's teachings. Uh, in the Sangyutta Nikaya, the Buddha says, uh, there is no coming and going of consciousness uh, without the other aggregates, uh, feeling, perception, volition, and consciousness. Uh. So whenever you have consciousness, uh, consciousness must lodge itself uh, in a body. Uh, so when consciousness uh, comes together with the body, uh, that body uh, must age uh, and it must sicken and it must die. Uh, so, uh, so that's how he understood uh, about suffering. Uh, and then he, then he asked himself again, uh, but why is it that beings must become old, sicken and die? Uh, then he understood that. Uh, is because we are born into this world. When we are born into this world, that is the nature of the world. That everyone must go through this process. If there was no birth, we would not have to become old, sicken, and die. And then he asked himself again, why is there birth? That he contemplated. It's because of attachment. Upadana. Because of attachment, then you have birth. So in this way, uh, he contemplated backwards uh, this link of 12 links of dependent origination uh, and he understood uh, that finally uh, all this uh, suffering, uh, or the, the ultimate cause of suffering uh, is ignorance. Uh. So now I will explain uh, these 12 links of dependent origination. When we talk about dependent origination, uh, we can talk about dependent origination of many things. Uh. But in the Buddha's teachings, uh, the most important thing we want to understand uh, is suffering uh, and how suffering arises and how suffering can cease. Uh. The Buddha said, uh, ultimately, uh, he teaches only one thing. Uh, he teaches only suffering and the ending of suffering. All else is not important. The Buddha says uh, that he knows a lot of things, uh, but he does not want to talk about them uh, because it is not beneficial to us. Uh. Our life is so short, and nowadays uh, a lot of people uh, want to know this, want to know that. So we go into the internet, uh, the world of knowledge. Uh, you want to find out about this, you want to find out about that. That is quite good, uh, because it can help you in certain ways. Uh. But ultimately, uh, if you don't answer the question uh, of why you are existing in this world now, who made you, or what made you, and where are you going after this? If you don't ask all these questions and find out the answers, by the time in a few more years, uh, when death uh, comes knocking on your door, uh, you'll be totally frightened and confused. Uh, the Buddha says uh, uh, that most people, when we are about to die, uh, we are very afraid for various reasons. Uh, one is we have bad karma. Another one, we don't have enough blessings. Another one, we don't understand the Dhamma. So because we don't understand the Dhamma, 
we don't know what life is all about. We don't know where we are going after death. Or if you know and you are going to a woeful plane of existence, uh, then you are even more frightened. Uh. So it is important uh, to understand all these questions. These are ultimately the most important questions in life. Uh. But only people uh, with deep wisdom uh, uh, will think, uh, to stop and think. Uh. Why am I struggling so hard to make money? Uh, why am I struggling so hard to go through life? What is life all about? Uh, very few people uh, actually uh, will stop and, and think about these basic questions. Those who think about it are uh, those who are spiritually mature, uh, have gone through this cycle of births and deaths a long time. Uh, we have evolved to the stage uh, where we are mature enough uh, to stop and ask, uh, where am I, where, why am I going around this cycle of birth and death? Uh, uh, doing the same things again and again, lifetime after lifetime. Uh, when we have suffered enough, uh, uh, then uh, slowly uh, we will try to look uh, for the truth uh, about life. So, now I will uh, explain these 12 links. Uh. The first link, uh, independent origination, uh, is ignorance. Uh. Uh, ignorance is the first cause, uh, you can say, uh, of suffering. Uh, so, ignorance uh, in the suttas, uh, uh, before I go into that, uh, firstly, I like to say uh, the sources uh, for the understanding of dependent origination, uh, the main source uh, is from the Sangyutta Nikaya. I mentioned yesterday uh, that Sangyutta Nikaya is the most important Nikaya in my view, la, because it deals with all the deep topics of the Buddha's teachings. La, la. And there is one chapter la, called the Nidana Sangyutta, the 12th chapter of Sangyutta Nikaya. There, there are many, many suttas la, dealing with dependent origination. Nidana is a con conditions la, or conditional causation. It has the same meaning as Paticca Samuppada. Paticca Samuppada means uh, dependent arising, uh, dependent origination uh, of all things in existence. Uh, uh. So that is the main source uh, for understanding the Buddha's words uh, on dependent origination. Then besides that, uh, you have, for example, the Mahanidana Sutta in the Diga Nikaya. It's one of the long discourses uh, where the Buddha talked about uh, dependent origination. But since it's only one sutta, you can only get to know about dependent origination, uh, uh, very limited knowledge. Just like some people, uh, they don't investigate the suttas. Uh, they think uh, if you want to understand sati or satipatthana, uh, you only need to study the Maha Satipatthana Sutta or the Satipatthana Sutta and you understand everything about Satipatthana. Absolutely untrue. Uh, that is just one Sutta, so it only can give you a uh, little knowledge about Sati. If you want to understand about Sati or Satipatthana, you have to study the chapter uh, on Satipatthana in the Sangyutta Nikaya, which has many, many, many suttas, la, explaining Satipatthana from various angles. La. 
whenever you read one sutta, you will understand the Buddha's words uh, from one angle. Uh, just understanding from one angle uh, is not enough. Uh, so you have to understand it uh, from different angles. Uh, just like you see an object, uh, you see from one direction, uh, you only can understand it in that direction. But you see it from different directions, uh, then you get an overall picture uh, which is complete. Uh. So in the same way, uh, when we want to understand Satipatthana, we have to study the Satipatthana chapter of the Sangyutta Nikaya, just as we have to study the Nidana uh, Sangyutta, the chapter, uh, if we want to understand dependent origination. So in the uh, Nidana chapter of the Sangyutta Nikaya, it is explained uh, that avijja, ignorance, uh, means ignorance of the Four Noble Truths, uh, ignorance of suffering, uh, ignorance of how suffering originates, ignorance of how suffering ceases, and ignorance of the path uh, going to the ceasing of suffering. Uh, in other words, the Four Noble Truths. Uh, uh, so, that's the meaning of uh, avijja. Uh, so, because of ignorance uh, of the Dhamma, uh, ordinary worldlings, uh, uh, due to this ignorance, uh, then second link, uh, ignorance causes Sankara. Uh, you know, when we chant the 12 links of dependent origination, uh, if you all come here to do chanting, uh, I'm sure uh, you follow the Thai monks, uh, you know this chant. Uh, it's called it goes like this, lah. Abhijja pachaya sankara sankara pachaya vinyanang vinyana pachaya namarupang namarupa pachaya salayatanang salayatana pachaya paso pasa pachaya vedana vedana pachaya tanha so, avijja causes, uh, conditions, uh, the arising of sankhara. Uh, this sankhara is one of two links of these 12 links of dependent origination, uh, which is hard to understand. And uh, many monks uh, uh, interpret it uh, in the standard way uh, that has been explained uh, in the commentaries, in the Abhidhamma, in the traditional teaching of Theravada. And unfortunately, uh, I don't uh, agree wholesale with it. Nah. This word Sankhara, uh, you can translate it generally uh, as intention or volition. Because, like for example, in the five khandas, uh, the five aggregates of attachment, uh, you also have sankara there. Uh, and sankara there means volition or intention. Now, intention or volition uh, in the Buddha's teachings uh, is connected with karma, action or intentional action. The Buddha says, uh, chetana, chetana is uh, karma. Chaitana is intention, intention or perp, perp. Uh, you can say volition, you can say purposely doing something. Uh, 
with a purpose. So this word Chetana is Kama. Now this word Sankara is quite close to it. It is generally translated as intention or volition. Now, uh, because there's a lot of confusion over this word, uh, a general uh, traditional interpretation, translation of this word Sankara is uh, formations. Uh, sometimes they call it mental formations, sometimes they call it volitional formations. Uh, uh, this word has been translated in various ways, uh, but I believe the latest translation uh, by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi is uh, very much... Uh, respected translator of the suttas, uh, he translates it as uh, volitional formations. Uh. So he recognizes uh, that this word sankara has much to do with volition uh, or intention. Now the traditional interpretation uh, of this word uh, sankara is kamma, uh, kamma, the working of kamma. Uh, in other words, uh, intentional action uh, to the body, intentional action to speech, and intentional action to the mind. Uh, so my interpretation of this word sankara is intention, but directed slightly uh, uh, not general, not general karma but intention uh, to do with the will to live, uh, to do with the will to live. Now, the Sankara, this word, uh, is defined in uh, the suttas uh, as three types of Sankara. Kaya Sankara, which is bodily intention, and Vachi Sankara, which is verbal intention, and Chitta Sankara, which is mental intention. So, this is the three sets of Sankara found in dependent origination. When we study the suttas and the nikayas and we compare with other suttas, we find that there actually appears uh, two sets of sankharas in the suttas, in the nikayas. The other set of sankhara found in the suttas uh, is almost the same, except the last part. It is also kaya sankhara, which is bodily intention or volition. Vachi sankhara, which is verbal intention, uh, these two are the same. But the third one, instead of citta sankara, the third one is mano sankara. Mano sankara. Mano has got to do with thinking. So this set, this second set of sankaras in the suttas, when we look through the suttas, we find it's always got to do with the creating of karma, general creation of karma. Let me see. For example. Uh, in the suttas, uh, the Buddha says, uh, in Sangyutta Nikaya 12.25, the Buddha said, With ignorance as condition, either by oneself, Ananda, 
one wills bodily intentions, kaya sangkarang abisangkaroti, following which arises internally pleasure and pain. Or because of others, one wills bodily intentions, following which arises internally pleasure and pain. And similarly with the verbal and mental intentions. So here, when it concerns the second set of sankharas, you see very clearly that that person wills bodily, verbal and mental intentions which gives rise to pleasure and pain. In other words, it is general karma, general intentional action. Also in Majjima Nikaya 57, the Buddha said, And what punya is dark action with dark result? Here someone generates an afflictive bodily sankhara, an afflictive verbal sankhara, an afflictive mental sankhara. Uh, so here also refers to the second set of sankharas, in other words, Kaya Sankara, Vachi Sankara, and Mano Sankara. But when we refer to the first set of Sankaras in the suttas, which is connected with dependent origination, which is Kaya Sankara, Vachi Sankara, and Chitta Sankara, the explanation of this first set is completely different. This first set of Sankaras, we find that they have to do with something else. Yeah. For example, in Majjima Nikaya Sutta 44, it is stated that when a monk is attaining the cessation of feeling and perception, first the speech sankara ceases, then the body sankara, then the mental sankara. When a monk is emerging from the attainment of cessation of feeling and perception, First, the mental sankhara arises, then the body sankhara, then the speech sankhara. Yeah. This uh, first set of sankharas, uh, the explanation uh, given uh, is that kaya sankhara, uh, let me see, kaya sankhara refers to breathing. In the Majjima Nikaya Sutta 44, this Arahant Dhammadina was explaining these three Sankharas to the layman Visakha. He said, Indeed, friend Visakha, in and out breaths are body Sankhara, Kaya Sankhara. Initial and sustained thoughts that means vitaka and vichara, are speech sankara, vachi sankara. Feeling and perception are citta sankara, mental sankara. Friend visaka, in and out breaths are bodily. These states are bound up with the body. That is why in breaths and out breaths are called body sankara. First one applies initial thought and sustained thought and subsequently one breaks out into speech. That is why initial and sustained thoughts are speech sankara. Perception and feelings are mental. These states are bound up with the mind. That is why perception and feeling are mental sankara, citta sankara. Ah. So here you see, yeah, 
this first set of sankharas uh, that have to do with dependent origination uh, quite different from the first one uh, from the second one just now i read the second one uh, has to do with general karma but this one uh, is slightly different so my interpreted my interpretation uh, of this sankara independent origination uh, is that uh, although it may include general karma but the more important aspect of it uh, is to do uh, with the will to live uh, because every living being uh, we have a great desire to live uh. this desire to live is so strong uh, that there's nothing more important uh, to any living being in the world yeah for example if you take another person's wealth uh, away uh, you take all his wealth uh, uh, how many billion uh, you take away uh, at the end of his life uh, he might still forgive you uh, because he he knows uh, when he's dying uh, he cannot even take one cent with him yeah There's nothing he can take with him when he when he goes off for rebirth uh. but if you take his life uh, he will not uh, he will not be happy with that you probably think uh, even if i come back as a ghost uh, i will take revenge uh, yeah so life is so important uh, there is no living being uh, who will exchange uh, his life uh, for anything in the world even i uh, suppose i want to buy your life uh, i give you all the wealth in the world would you do you want it nobody wants it uh, so we have a natural tendency yeah, to live like this uh, will to live uh, is extremely strong so i will explain uh, why these sankharas uh, have to do with the will to live like first the body sankara you know this body sankara breathing uh, in breath and out breath uh, is programmed into our mind so because it's been programmed into our mind uh, this will to live uh, is like um, this breathing uh, is like automatic uh, we breathe in and out now uh, we don't notice that we actually intentionally breathe in and out because it's been programmed into our mind but if i were to stop your breathing if i were to close your nose and close your mouth what happens you will struggle very hard to breathe yeah no uh, so this breathing uh, you want the body to live that's why you want to breathe la uh, as long as you breathe uh, your bodily uh, your 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 body uh, will continue to survive la uh, so it's because uh, you want to live uh, that's why uh, you continue to breathe la so kaya sankara uh, your breathing uh, has very much to do uh, with your will to live la if a person does not want to live anymore uh, then he will be willing to stop breathing for example on your deathbed and then vachi sankara is said to be thinking vitaka and vichara initial thought and sustained thought this thinking is connected with speech because before you can break out into speech you must formulate the ideas in your mind you must think first yeah uh, you think uh, then only uh, you can break out into speech uh. Uh, 
So because we want to live, uh, we want to function uh, through the body, the speech and the mind. Yeah. If you live, uh, you must function through these three karmas, uh, actions. Uh. So because you want to continue speaking, uh, you want to continue thinking. Uh, so when you uh, when you think, uh, then only you can break out into speech. Uh. And then the mental intention, citta sankara, uh, is perception and feeling. Uh. If you have perception and feeling, uh, then consciousness starts to work. Uh, because uh, perception and feeling uh, always comes together with consciousness. Uh, because perception and feeling uh, is another aspect of consciousness. Uh, it's a type of consciousness. Uh. So when you have perception and feeling, uh, then your mind works. Uh. Yeah, there is a state called Niroda Samapati where some Arahans uh, can attain. And they attain, when they attain the state of Niroda Samapati, uh, it is called the cessation of perception and feeling. Uh. So when the cessation, when they experience cessation of perception and feeling, uh, consciousness also stops. So they go into a state uh, where the sixth consciousness stops. Uh. But this can only last for seven days. Uh to which uh, they must come out of it. Uh. So you can see here, uh, because you want to live, uh, you want your three, uh, how do you call it? Your three uh, aspects uh, of uh, life uh, to work. Uh. Your, you want your body to survive. You want to continue speaking. You want to continue thinking. Uh. That's why uh, these three, uh, uh, kaya, body intention, verbal intention uh, and mental intention uh, must work. Uh, so that's why I believe uh, that these uh, three sankharas uh, have to do more with the will to live uh, than with general karma. Although you can say uh, that is also connected with the doing of karma. Uh, but first you must have the intention to live first. If you don't live, uh, how can you do karma? Yes, uh, so the intention to live is more important. Now this Sankara will condition the next link, which is consciousness. So from here, I'll make you see why this Sankara has more to do with the will to live. Because consciousness, a lot of people think that consciousness is a stream of unending consciousness. You, you, most people think uh, because our consciousness seems to be unbroken. Our consciousness seems to be running all the time. But it's not true at all. In the Buddha's teachings, uh, the Buddha says uh, consciousness uh, is dependently arisen. The six types of consciousness uh, that we have uh, eye consciousness, ear consciousness or hearing consciousness, nose consciousness or smelling consciousness, Tongue consciousness or tasting consciousness, body consciousness or touch or tactile consciousness, and mental consciousness or thinking consciousness. These six um, consciousness uh, uh, these six consciousness uh, uh, running uh, not in a, an ending stream, uh, but they arise one after another. So the Buddha says uh, that 
dependent on the eye yeah, and forms outside, nah, uh, seeing consciousness arises. Nah. So this seeing consciousness arises and passes away very fast. Nah. So our consciousness nah, arises and passes away, arises and passes away. It is arising and passing away so fast nah, that we think nah, it is an unending stream of consciousness, nah, but it is not so. Nah. Uh, and when consciousness arises and passes away, uh, what is it uh, that makes the next consciousness arise? Uh, that's why here I believe uh, it has to do with the will to live. Uh. Because of your will to live, uh, because the will to live is so strong, uh, when consciousness ceases, uh, it comes up again, uh, arises again. It's like a flame. Uh, a flame dies down uh, and due to some force, uh, uh, it arises again. Uh, for example, the wind, when the flame is dying out, uh, and the wind comes, uh, uh, and then it comes back to life again, the flame arises again. Uh, so, this uh, consciousness uh, uh, arises and passes away uh, because of this will to live. Uh. If there were not the will to live, uh, when consciousness ceases, uh, it will not arise again. It will not arise again. So, but in the um, traditional interpretation of dependent origination, uh, they talk about consciousness ceasing uh, at death. Uh, consciousness ceasing and death uh, and arising again. Uh, but I don't think uh, we need to consider consciousness ceasing at death uh, because every moment uh, our consciousness is ceasing. Uh. In other words, uh, we are dying uh, every moment. I believe there's one saint uh, who saw this uh, in his meditation uh, because his mind has become so, I think it was a Christian saint, uh, it becomes so still uh, that he says uh, he dies every moment uh, because consciousness ceases every moment. Uh, so you can see here, uh, it is the will to live uh, that creates the spark of consciousness. Uh, every time consciousness dies away, uh, it arises again. So now, in the Buddha's teachings, consciousness, whenever consciousness arises or ceases, it must come together with Nama Rupa. Nama Rupa, sometimes people translate it as body and mind, mind and body. But it is not quite correct. Body and mind, in the Buddha's teachings, is the five khandhas. The five khandhas, the body, feeling, perception, volition, and consciousness. So the last four, uh, feeling, perception, volition, and consciousness, uh, is considered the mental, the, the, the mind. Uh. But here, uh, Nama Rupa is not body and mind. Nama Rupa and Vijnana, uh, Nama Rupa you can translate as mentality and materiality. Uh, in the suttas, the Buddha says, uh, always arises uh, with consciousness, vinyana. They are like Siamese twins. Uh, you know, Siamese twins are joined at the head, joined at the body. Uh, you cannot separate them. Uh, so in the same way, uh, Nama Rupa and vinyana, the Buddha says, they arise together and they cease together. They must always arise together and cease together. Now, consciousness uh, 
when consciousness arises, uh, you must be conscious of something. Yeah, uh, that something that you are conscious of uh, is nama rupa. So, in other words, nama rupa is the object of consciousness. Okay. Uh, so, when the object of consciousness, uh, there are two aspects. Like one is the mental object, uh, uh, is a mental part, uh, and the other one is the uh, material part. Uh. Now, in the suttas, uh, in the uh, on dependent origination, the Buddha says uh, that nama refers to nama refers to contact. Feeling, perception, consideration, and volition. Yeah, contact, feeling, perception, consideration, and volition. You notice here, uh, out of these five things, uh, it does not mention consciousness. Uh, so, because it is devoid of consciousness, uh, it cannot be mind. Uh, but when you combine it with the consciousness, uh, then only there is this mind. Uh. And then the four great elements uh, is rupa. Uh, Rupa. Rupa is the physical aspect uh, 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 of phenomena uh, because uh, Nama Rupa uh, is being the object of consciousness. Uh, the English word for it is phenomena. Phenomena is what we are conscious of. Uh, so Nama Rupa is mentality and materiality, uh, the object of consciousness. Uh. But if you look carefully into this uh, physical part, the rupa, rupa consists of four elements, la, uh, earth, water, fire, wind. Now this earth, water, fire, wind uh, is not really earth, water, fire, wind. Earth refers to the hardness, hardness element. Uh. Whatever is hard, uh, we refer to it as earth. La. For example, this wood, uh, this chair uh, is hard. When I touch it, it is hard. So, that is the earth element. Uh, earth, fire. Fire is the heat element. Uh, all of us uh, have the heat element in us. Uh, so, we have the fire element is in us. We also have the earth element, the hardness aspect of us. Earth, water, fire. Earth, uh, water. Water is the cohesion property. Uh, uh, the liquids are... Uh, if you liquids have the uh, characteristic uh, of cohering things together, for example, I have this physical shape, uh, this body, uh, because of the water element in me. If I were to dehydrate myself, uh, take away all the water from my body, uh, and my body will turn into powder. When my body turns into powder, uh, it will crumble. Uh, it will crumble. Uh, so it is because of the water element uh, in my body. Uh, that's why I have a certain physical shape. Uh, uh, earth, water, fire, wind. Wind uh, is the motion aspect uh, because there is, I, I call it wind in my body. Uh, so the gases move in my body. The blood moves in my body. The chi moves in my body. Uh, that is the uh, wind element. Uh. Now, you notice carefully, uh, all these four things, uh, earth, water, fire, wind, uh, they are perceptions, you know. The heartless element uh, is a perception. The uh, form, shape uh, also is a perception. The heat, 
element is also a perception. The wind or motion element is also a perception. Uh, in other words, uh, even this physical world uh, is just your perception of it. You know, it is not something uh, out of your perception, out of your mind. Uh. In other words, uh, the, even the mental and the physical part of the world, uh, everything uh, is mind made. So, for example, uh, if your karma is so bad uh, that you see yourself uh, in hell uh, and you are burned by the fires of hell, uh, you'll be crying. Uh, suppose one day I become an arahan and I come and visit you in hell. Uh, my mind is different from yours. So I go down to hell. Uh, I don't perceive the heat like you do. I don't suffer like you do. Yeah, uh, Because my mind uh, has a different uh, perception from your mind. Uh, so that's why uh, mind is extremely important. Your mind uh, determines your world. Your mind determines your perception. Uh, a pure mind uh, is a happy mind. An impure mind, uh, a disturbed mind, uh, is a mind uh, full of suffering. Uh, that's why in the Buddha's teachings, uh, mind is extremely important because your mind creates your world. So, okay, so once you have this uh, uh, consciousness and uh, mentality, materiality, uh, that brings you to the next link, uh, which is the sixth sense basis, uh, salayatana, uh, because your consciousness uh, must function through the sixth sense organs, uh, through the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, and the mind. Uh, so, uh, these are the six internal sense bases, uh, and the six external sense bases uh, are the objects uh, of these six internal sense bases, uh, namely forms for the eye to see, sounds for the ear to hear, uh, odors for the nose to smell, uh, touch uh, uh, for the body to feel. Uh, and thoughts uh, for the mind to think. Uh, so, uh, this uh, six, six sense bases uh, uh, come to existence uh, when you have consciousness and uh, mentality and materiality. Uh, they all come together, uh, the six sense bases. Uh, uh, so, once you have the six sense bases uh, and you have the internal uh, sense bases and the external sense objects, uh, then it brings you to the next link, uh, which is contact. When the six sense objects uh, impinge on your six sense organs, uh, you have contact. For example, form comes before your eyes uh, and you pay attention, uh, then uh, there is contact and uh, eye consciousness arises and you say you see. But similarly, when a sound comes to your ear, you have a good ear, uh, and you there is contact, and you pay attention, uh, then you hear. Uh, so it is contact uh, uh, of these six sense objects uh, impinging on your six sense bases. Uh, so once you have con once you have uh, contact, uh, then the next link uh, is feeling arises. Uh, once you have contact of the six sense. Uh, uh, basis, uh, then uh, feeling is the first thing to arise. Uh. So feeling arising, uh, there are three types basically, uh, three types of feeling uh, at your six sense doors. Uh. 
and these three uh, are pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, and neutral feeling. For example, if you see a beautiful form, uh, you have a pleasant feeling arising. Uh, if you see an ugly, a frightening form, then unpleasant feeling arises. And then if it's neither attractive nor unattractive, then neutral feeling arises. So, this feeling arising, if it is pleasant feeling or unpleasant feeling, you are moved by it. If it's neutral feeling, sometimes you don't even observe it. You tend to not to notice it. But if it's pleasant or unfeeling or unpleasant feeling arising, uh, you notice it very clearly. Uh. So when a pleasant feeling arises, uh, uh, we tend to enjoy it. Uh. Once you enjoy it, uh, you want to enjoy it again. Uh. Uh, so what happens? Craving arises. Uh. There is craving for it. Uh. For example, when we were young, uh, we never tasted ice cream uh, and our parents gave, it, gave us ice cream to eat. Uh. After tasting ice cream, uh, this child uh, liked that flavor and then uh, he craves for it. Uh, he wants some more. Yeah. Uh, so craving arises uh, and uh, there is pleasant feeling. Uh. Uh, so when, when there is craving, uh, then uh, because of craving for it, uh, you attach to it. Uh, you want to grasp it. Uh, you want to cling to it. Uh, uh, so... Uh, this is the natural consequence uh, of craving uh, for something. Uh. So, this craving uh, is generally cra craving uh, for the six sense objects uh, or beautiful forms, for nice sounds, for uh, fragrant odors, uh, for pleasant taste, for nice touch, and for nice thoughts. Uh. Uh, so, uh, craving gives, gives rise to uh, attachment and attachment upadana gives rise to bhava. Uh, this bhava is the second link, uh, independent origination. Uh, is very hard to understand. Uh, for many years, I could not understand it really. Uh, so, this bhava is said to be existence or being. How is it uh, that attachment uh, gives rise to? Uh, being uh, or existence. Uh. This existence or being uh, uh, is explained uh, in the suttas uh, as uh, being in the sensual desire realm or desire realm existence, form realm existence and formless realm existence. Uh. Every world system, the Buddha says, uh, can be divided into three realms. Uh. The lowest is the, is the sensual desire realm. Uh where sensual desire or sensual lust uh, dominates all beings. Uh. So because of sensual desire, you have male and female, uh, male and female. And then if you cultivate jhana, person having attained jhana can be reborn in the form realm. This form realm uh, consists of very high heavens. Uh. The lowest is the first jhana plane, uh, where the Brahma devas live. Uh. And then the second jhana heavens, then the third jhana and the fourth jhana heavens. And these beings, they abide in happiness and bliss because of the state of their mind. 
and because the state of the mind uh, is uh, is in the in in the state of jhana, they don't need to enjoy sensual desire. Uh, they enjoy a different type of bliss. So because they don't need to enjoy sensual desire, they have no sensual desire. So there is no uh, male and female beings there. Everyone is unisex. And their bodies uh, consist of pure light. They are like brighter than the sun. Even the lowest, uh, the first jhana heavens, uh, the Brahma, Devas, uh, their brightness uh, exceeds the sun uh, much, much more. In the suttas, the Buddha says, uh, the very lowest of them, uh, their light uh, can shine to 1,000 world systems, uh, 1,000 1, worlds, in uh, others, uh, 1,000 stars, uh, their light uh, can go to, uh, and the highest of them, uh, their light uh, can pervade uh, 100,000 stars, uh, so far away, their light uh, so powerful. Uh, so, um, these, uh, uh, these uh, are the three realms uh, in the Bhava, when you talk about the Bhava, uh, this uh, existence, uh, you refer to these uh, three types of existence or three types of beings. Uh. So now, how is it uh, that clinging uh, or attachment uh, gives rise to being? Uh? Uh, it is like that. Uh. It is like this. Uh. When we crave for something uh, and we cling to something, uh, that I arises, uh, that self arises. Uh. I want this, I must have this, uh, I cannot live without this. Uh, so that I arises uh, when you enjoy something, when you enjoy something, uh, you feel uh, I am enjoying it. Uh, this perception, I exist, uh, I am, uh, arises uh, when you have craving and clinging or attachment. Uh, so this bhava is this perception that I exist. I am. So once this self comes into being, this being arises. This being arises. That's why this being comes into existence. Once this being comes into existence, then it perceives that it is born into the world. So bhava conditions birth. So once you have a self, then you see uh, that you are born into the world. It's not just like a plant. A plant also has consciousness. But because a plant, uh, a tree, uh, does not have the perception, I exist or I am. Uh, when a tree grows up, uh, it does not perceive, uh, the tree does not perceive uh, that I am born into the world. But because we have an I, a self, uh, we perceive uh, birth. Uh, we perceive the birth of this physical body. Uh, you are born into the human body, or you are born into a deva body, or you are born into a ghost body. Uh, so this, because of this clinging, uh, that I arises and you see yourself born into the world. Uh, so bhava, existence of being, uh, conditions birth. Uh, and once you have birth into the world, uh, then the natural consequence uh, is aging sickening and dying. Uh, so, and all the mass of suffering arises uh, because you are born into this world. Uh, so that is the 
uh, explanation of the 12 links of dependent origination. So you find many books uh, talk about dependent origination, but the two hardest links to understand, uh, to get it correct, uh, is Sankara, volition uh, or intention, uh, and Bhava, existence or being. Uh, so, so you can see here uh, that uh, it is because of craving and clinging uh, that that I strengthens itself. Uh, so that is why you can see uh, the holy path, uh, why a person uh, to walk the holy path and get out of samsara, he must cut off sensual enjoyment. He must give up sensual pleasures in the world. He must renounce sensual pleasures in the world. Because uh, as long as you enjoy sensual pleasures in the world, uh, uh, it fortifies, uh, it strengthens that perception, I exist, I am. Uh, so when you give up, that uh, craving and that clinging, then uh, slowly uh, that I am or I exist uh, starts to weaken. weaken. Uh, so uh, that is why renunciation is important. And also uh, the fact uh, that where does craving and clinging come from? comes from feeling, uh, pleasant feeling. Uh, and you have pleasant feeling, uh, then that craving arises. Uh, uh, so you give up pleasant feeling. Uh, but in this world, uh, everybody is chasing after pleasant feeling, isn't it? Uh, if you know how to market something uh, that gives people pleasant feeling, uh, uh, it will sell. Uh, if you market something that does not give people pleasant feeling, uh, nobody wants to buy. Yeah. Uh, so you provide good shows uh, for people to see, uh, people enjoy, uh, people want. Uh, you provide good music. Uh, rock band and all that, uh, people want. Uh, you want good, you provide good taste, uh, nice taste, uh, people want to eat, uh, especially Chinese, uh, very fond of good taste. Uh, uh, so, from here you can see. Uh, so, uh, when we understand the Dhamma, we understand the Four Noble Truths, uh, uh, then we know uh, that ultimately uh, this world uh, is not satisfactory. Uh, However much we enjoy, yeah, we can never be contented. La. We cannot satisfy our sensual desires. La. It's never never enough. La. You satisfy your sensual desires for a short while, la, uh, and then tomorrow uh, you want it again. Our stomach uh, is like an endless pit. La. You feel yourself with good food. La. After several hours, you're hungry again, need to eat again. Uh, essential, you enjoy your sensual desires, uh, and then you tire yourself out. After that, when your energy comes back, essential desires come, up, come back again. Uh, so, life for most people uh, is just trying to satisfy our sensual desires. Uh, so, because we want to satisfy our sensual desires, uh, we struggle to make more money. Uh, you make more money, then you have more uh, power to spend. Uh, you have more spending power, you have more things to enjoy. Uh, so we chase after all these sensual desires in the world. But ultimately, we are never satisfied. When you are young, you want a good education. After you get a good education, you want to have a good job. After you have a good job, you want to have a good spouse. After you have a good spouse, you want beautiful and cute children. After you have cute children, uh, 
and they grow up, you want to have grandchildren, uh, you want to make your million, or if possible, your billion. Uh, if you may even make your billion uh, at, the, at the end of uh, about 70 years, uh, your life, yeah, your shelf life has expired. So when your shelf life expires uh, at the end of 70 over years uh, and you are coming to the end of life uh, and suddenly uh, when you realize that you have cancer or you are about to die, uh, then you are confused. Uh, what is life all about? Uh, all the things I wanted in the world uh, I got, but now I can't cling on to them. I must go. I must leave every single one. I must leave every part of my property. Cannot even bring one cent with me. Uh, so you are confused. Uh, or you should have, then you start asking questions. But it's too late. You should have asked all these questions about life when you were younger, when you had the strength to practice the spiritual path. Uh, so if you start asking and you find out the answers and you understand the Four Noble Truths, then uh, because of that, uh, you slowly uh, you let go, slowly you let go. And then letting go, uh, you can only do uh, if you understand the Dhamma, from listening to the Dhamma, from studying the Buddha's words, and meditating. If you don't meditate to strengthen your mind, uh, there are a lot of things uh, we know we should do. There are a lot of things we know we should not do. But... We are unable to do what we should do. We are unable to stop doing what we should not do. Why? Uh, like the English saying goes, uh, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Yeah? Uh, a lot of us, uh, we have uh, uh, illicit relations. A lot of lay people uh, have illicit relations, uh, commit adultery. It's not that they don't know that it's wrong. They know. But flesh is weak. Uh, a lot of things we know that we should do, but we can't find the time to do because we don't see that it is important enough. Uh, we have a lot of uh, desires in the world. There are so many things we want to achieve in this world. But life is limited. Our energy is limited. Uh, our time is limited. So you have to see what is your priority. La. Uh, you must have the foresight uh, to see how many years you have left in life. You go by statistics. Uh, at the age of 70-something, you are going to pass away. You have to face up to that fact. Uh, see how many more years you have. And make the best use of it uh, according to your priority. Uh, so I will think I will stop here. Uh,